0: Well, good morning, Harvest, and I want to begin uh, with just saying uh, happy 2016. It's 2016, yeah? <laughs> okay, it's 2016, yeah? <laughs> okay, everybody's still recovering from holidays. A uh, couple of grateful things. Number one, I'm really grateful that uh, Pastor Nick got the memo about the navy sweater and jeans. Uh, for today, dude, yeah. <laughs> um, number two, I'm just really grateful for the time Karen and I had away here for a while. We were down in Florida for a bit and just for us personally, much-needed vacation. Just grateful for that, but grateful to be back with you. Grateful so much for Pastor Chris and for Pastor Nate filling in these last couple Sundays. And uh, boy, we have just a staff that... Uh, Is just a blessing beyond blessing, growing and maturing, preparing for what the Lord would have for them. You're going to be seeing more of our guys here in 2016 uh, up here, and uh, just grateful for them. Uh, Grateful also just for you. You know, sometimes it's one of those times after when you're on vacation, you come back and you're kind of like, crud, I got to go back. And uh, that was not the case. Uh, We love you guys. We just genuinely do. It's a blessing to be here. Thank you for being the church family that you are. Uh, I know a lot of pastors don't look forward to going back after vacation, but uh, you are a delight, and thank you for that. And also, I'm just going to reiterate what Paul said earlier, just about the harvest gives, oh my. I mean, last year, we had $27,500 brought in. We thought, boy, we're really pushing the limit with maybe the Lord might bring in like 45000 and Uh, We're at just under 90,000, and um, we understand it's not about money. The joy that's so cool about it is what's behind it and the stories that are behind it. Large gifts, small gifts, all together, that's what's so sweet. And I'll tell you, that's personally what I so delight in, is seeing what God is doing amongst all of us, a together team. That's what it's about. Well, uh, just taking a kind of a grateful glance, uh, back in 2015, we... uh, finished our series through the book of Revelation, or did we? Um, Actually, I feel like I just kind of got a grasp of Revelation, so we're going to go back and do it again. (laughs) Some of you are like, "Yes," some of you are like, oh. (laughs) Um, um, I won't tell you which one I am at that thought, but but, hey, uh, here's the thing. Did we? Um, Actually, we didn't. And in fact, I can prove that. I can prove that. The very uh, beginning of the series, nearly nine months ago, um, I had talked to us about uh, uh, loading the tour bus. And that was kind of the first time I brought that image and that idea up on that. And we were loading and preparing and going out on the tour bus and uh, leaving the loading zone, as I had called it, because we had a couple Sundays around the loading zone getting ready to head on out. And the words that I said in the very beginning was that I said, bus tours have a return reality to them. And I then I said, they generally travel back through the terrain they covered when they left. It's true, Uh, when we were with the team here in Scotland this last summer, we went on a tour, and we came back, and the final day was covering some of the territory we actually went out on. And so I had stated that, and then the last sermon in 2015, in the latter part of Revelation 22, I said, picture the tour bus parked today on that day, it's the final Sunday before the drive back to our starting point. I set you up. Just want you to know that. And uh, so actually from the very beginning, the idea has been from the very beginning that we're going to go through the book and then we're going to take one or two Sundays and we're going to take a pass back. With the whole book in view, let's now go back to Revelation chapter 1 and then Revelation 2 and 3. So that's what we're going to do. Today is Revelation chapter 1, next Sunday Revelation 2 and 3, and then we are done. Because the bus is back, parked in the loading zone, and we're on to the next thing. What's the next thing? You'll find out when we get there. Some of you are like, they're still trying to figure it out, aren't they? Um, So for the first two Sundays of 2016, uh, we're on a return voyage, and... uh, I want to really kind of have a start this year, as I have the opportunity, start this year by highlighting a word that is a big deal here. We use it a lot, and uh, that word is vertical, vertical. Uh, uh, vertical carries a lot of DNA uh, behind us here. In fact, we just had about 30 of our 20s college and career uh, head up to Chicago Harvest for what was called Vertical Con, right? And you here? Give a shout out for that. Okay, some of those are here, and uh, they were up for a conference called Vertical Con. Uh, we are this year actually going in the spring, uh, we're going to be having what we call a Vertical Marriage Conference, and in the fall, we're going to have a Vertical Parenting Conference. We, we use the term around here as well, just saying, hey, let's go vertical. Let's be a vertical people. Uh, We use that a lot, And, and then also with that, in fact, it's such a big deal to us that it's been with Harvest as a whole, our church and other churches, we've integrated it into our logo that we have, and it's the idea of a church going vertical. Uh, Vertical is a huge word here that carries a lot behind it. It's a big deal here. We want to be a vertical people. We want to go vertical together with that. And yet in it, I think it's appropriate for us to be asking, if that's such a big deal, as we start out this year, what does going vertical really mean? And what does that look like? And I would submit to you that after going through this Revelation series, I actually think Revelation has been telling us and showing us and helping us to see what does it mean to go vertical. So today, uh, Revelation chapter 1 being a vertical person, uh, next Sunday, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 being a vertical people. And uh, we're going to harness this, and we're going to carry it on even beyond these two Sundays. What we're going to do, open your Bibles to Revelation 1, if you're not there already. Uh, We're going to jog our way, walk, run our way through the first 17 ish verses of Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to make some comments on it, and then I'm going to kind of come back with more of the idea of, okay, so in light of what we are seeing in this text here, and in light of the whole book of Revelation here, let's try and get at answering this question, what does it look like to be a vertical person? Okay, that's where we're going. You ready? All right. We're heading back to the loading zone. It's been a long trip, but uh, I want to drive it home, okay? Lord, so we pray right now, would you be here with us? I just ask the Spirit of God to be doing a work among us. I just pray um, we would see you great. And as we start this year out, that um, we would better understand what it means to be a vertical person. And this is for everyone in this room here, Lord. So we just ask you to work. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Here we go. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus is the source and the subject of the book of Revelation. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, this is referring to God the Father, which God the Father gave him to show to his servants. Hey, by the way, uh, those in Christ, you are a doulos, you are a servant of Christ. Uh, That's talking to us as well, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by setting his angel to his doulos, John, that's pretty cool. You know, he's a ser- he was a servant too, just like we are to be for Christ. Verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. By the way, remember, John spent like three years walking with Jesus, and by the time he's writing this, like some 60 plus years serving Christ as a leader. Uh, a leader in his church, and all of who John is comes into this text here today. Uh, Verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. Blessed. uh, Listen, I don't know what specifically the blessing is, but but we're going to leave that in God's hands. People who hear what God's word says... God says, I will bless you, and, you know, and, and we get so physical, so horizontal, and we think, well, that means you know, he's going to give me a check in the mail, or I'm going to get a better job, or I'm going to have a cooler car, and it's like, listen, maybe so, whatever, let God take care of that, but maybe the blessing is that we would mature in Christ. Maybe the blessing is that we would be able to handle what he is sovereignly allowed in our life with with honor and glory to his name. More of that blessing uh, in our lives and more of us being able to see that. But notice this, blessed are those who hear it. But I don't want for us just to go away from this whole journey thinking, man, that was really cool to hear all that. No, 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 because look, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Listen friends, this final two Sundays, driving the bus back, is about seeking for me to press into us, to drive home into us, that we need to be people who keep what we just spent nine months going through. Not just hearing it, but keeping it, putting it into our lives. Blessed are those who read it, who hear it, and who keep it. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, real churches in real places, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. By the way, we are just right now seeing a trinity view of the Godhead verse 4 is stating about God the Father the terminology the end of verse 4 of the seven spirits or before the throne is terminology relating to the spirit of God and then verse 5 and from Jesus Christ the trinity and from Jesus Christ look at all these descriptions about Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him Who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We just sang about that. And made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said? And then verse 7. Behold, he's coming with the clouds. With every eye will see him. By the way, take all of Revelation, the whole book, into that right now. Because when we started in Revelation, we didn't have the whole rest of the book in view as we read some of these terms now. Take all of that and put it there. Behold, he is coming, and he will come with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Oh, now I think I understand what's being talked about by that in light of the whole of Revelation. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and who, or who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Look at just quickly, verse 5. Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness. There are many witnesses, but there's only one witness that is ultimately and absolutely dependable, and he is that one. He is that one. All that this witness speaks is factual and true and for sure. And by the way, that means that everything we've been studying over the last nine months is factual and true and for sure. Hold that. Bank on that. Keep that. He's the faithful witness. Also, it says, he is the firstborn of the dead. Uh, it isn't, uh, Jesus is the premier one resurrected from the dead. He's the firstborn of the dead from whom many will be born out of death. Patterson says, Jesus is the first to be born out of the matrix of the penalty of sin. He was the first one raised from the dead like that. And the only one. He is the lion lamb, think of all of Revelation, slain. He is the one who conquers the firstborn of the dead. Jesus also, it says, he is the ruler of the kings on earth. Jesus is the absolute sovereign one over all the affairs of the world. All of revelation into that. Oh my. Oh, by the way, if I have this right, 2016, election year, right? Hey, friends, let me ask through this year, are you going to keep that in your political theology? Who is the king of all kings? He is. And he knows exactly what's going to go. And that is not a call to pull out of being involved. Be involved. But it's be involved knowing this. He's got it. He's got it. And he's moving all things right where he wants it to be moved. He is faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's a ruler of kings. And by the way, that one we are told does some things with his own people. By the way, notice this, uh, verse 5. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You need to know that. He's not putting up with you. He's not like, Oh, crud, you. He loves you. And for some today, you need to be reassured of that. He loves you. I love that. He freed you Those in Jesus Christ, you are freed from sins by his blood. Yeah, but, like, I sin a lot. I'm totally with you on that. No, but from the consequences of it and from being a total victim of it, the reality is, is in Christ, firstborn of the dead, there's victory over sin. Not out of the war, but victory in it. He loves you. He freed you, verse 6. He made you. He made you what? Notice, a kingdom of priests to the Father, a little bit into next Sunday. But understand this, it's not a commune. God's people are not a commune. It's not a club. We're not ticket holders, but we're a kingdom. A kingdom of priests, by the way, to the Father. Such a huge Old Testament picture in this. It's a people called out, having direct access to, and sent out as one speaking on behalf of him. He made you. And I just say, take all of Revelation and all the heavy and all the the magnitude and all the beauty and all the wonder and all the majesty and all the, the, the confusion. Just take all of that and remember this. He is the faithful one. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the ruler of kings. He loves you. He's freed you. And he's made you a kingdom. Man, that just gives me so much hope entering the year, doesn't it? Oh. oh, by the way, a couple more things. Verse six Jesus is the central figure. He, to him be glory and dominion forever. By the way, the Father is there, the Spirit is there, and yet Jesus Christ is the one who is clearly in the Trinity, and this time of redemptive history is the one who is to, to, to be bringing the worship to Him, the focus to Him, the glory to Him, the dominion to Him. We don't see in the Scripture saying, bring all your glory and dominion to the Spirit. We see it bringing to Jesus Christ. And just the way the Godhead has set it up, he, he is the central figure of it. And verse seven, he's coming. Oh, I pray this year. Amen. I'm just ready to get on with it. I think I've said that a few times in the series, and I'm still ready. Just like, let's go. But I want to have kids, and I want to get married. I got you. But I just, I've been there, done that. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a little selfishness there. <laughs> so after uh, reading back through Revelation and these verses, I just want to note, I think there's something big contained within these things that, that I think after going through Revelation, that on our first read, we, we miss here. And just these verses, like verses 4 through 8 here, and, and I think it's this, there's a story. All of this is telling about something is going on. There's a faithful witness. There's a firstborn of the dead. There's a ruler of the kings that, that he loves you, that he freed you. Freed you from what? That he's made you a king. Of freedom. Why? That there's a central figure of it, that he's coming back. There's a story. Come back to that in just a second. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, by the way, that's not seven years tribulation, that's just the idea of, uh, the idea of tribulations, of uh, hard times. Uh, by the way, isn't that cool? Our brother, our partner, in hard times, and boy, he was knowing it. And the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Oh, by the way, John's story is within the big story. Keep that thought. Uh, verse ten. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, uh, "Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches: to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea." Real churches, are real places. Then I turned to see the voice. Isn't that interesting? Where's the voice? How do you see a voice? Well, you know, he's, he's talking about I turned to see the one who is the voice. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw. Big word. On turning, I saw something what did he see he says uh, i saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man that comes out of daniel that's that's not birth of man it's not talking about birth order it's not talking about that this is this is like a, a divine title this is uh, referring to one the equivalent of man jesus used it in the gospel of mark all the time about himself he is the equivalent one of man who pays the price for mankind and he's a son of man and see this one and in the midst of the lampstands, and he's clothed with a long robe, and a golden sash around his chest, so priestly, and the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice... His voice was like the roar of many waters, not a trickling little brook. Verse 16, and in his right hand he held seven stars. How do you do that? Who can do that? And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Was it really like a sword, like, (laughs) you know, cutting a melon up? No, 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 no. It's like when he spoke, it was like, it, it, it just, it pierced and it cut and like, like a double-edged sword. Like I've never heard anyone talk words like that before. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face, his face was like the sun. I mean, what else do I use as the illustration? I mean, it's so bright. It's like the sun, not in the morning, not in the evening, full strength. I saw him. I saw him. What does being a vertical person mean? What does being a vertical person look like? Um, it starts with a vertical person sees. A vertical person sees rightly. In fact, I think they see two things here. as I come back to myself to Revelation One, and what have I learned and what now is coming out of this? And I think two things. The first of those is, is they see the big story. They see the big story. By the way, some good news, bad news with that. The good news is, we live in a big story. Some may say or think that that's kind of the bad news, isn't it? Because it's like this is like one messed up story. No, actually, this is the good news. Um, understand that that not seeing the big story is kind of like yeah, but this story's messed up. No, no, no. Going through Revelation, this story's right on, and, and there's a King over it all. And there's a big story. And there's one with a faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kings. He loves us. He, he's freed those in Christ. He's made you a kingdom of priests for him. He's, he's, there's one that's the central figure of this story. And Jesus is coming. And I, there's, a, there's a big story, you guys. And now the bad news. You and I are not the center of it. But I want to be the center of it. I know, I do too. Just look at my daily life before the Lord. And isn't it true, we want to make our life the life. I mean, my life, your life, is the center of the, it's the axis. We used to, every so often in our family, call each other axis, and we knew what that meant. We knew, like, you're thinking you're the center of the world, and everything revolves around you, and and yet we have a tendency to think that way, go that way, uh, be driven that way. But the bad news is is we're not the center of the story, but actually that's kind of good news. Because if you and I were the center of the story, this story is a mess. When we understand theologically what's going on within us. Here's the good news. We are part of a big story. And we are not the center of the story. But we are part of the story. And our stories do matter within the big story. John's story mattered within the big story. And there's a big story, and do you see the big story? And I'm not saying, do you know every detail of the big story? That's one of the things I think Revelation shows us, that that, that God puts more things out there than we can actually grasp alone. And there are some things uh, He hasn't put out there that we may ask, but here's the deal. He's given us everything we need to know to know the big story and to know how we fit within that story of it all. If I could say this, here's the big story summed up. Life started on purpose, continues on purpose, and is going somewhere on purpose. I mean, if you want to know the big, big story of it, life started on purpose, continues on purpose, and is going somewhere on purpose. There, there is a purpose with it. Uh, it's the question is, is what's, what's going on? What's the purpose? What, what, what's, it started, it continues, it's going somewhere. What, what's the deal? And I think one of the big things we walked away from the book of Revelation is the realization that, wait a second, the story upon which we live, I am not the center of the story. Uh, uh, there is one that is the center of the story, and there is a big story. And the fact of the matter is we live in a war story. From the very time sin came into the picture, we now reside in a war story. And Revelation is telling how that war story is going to finish out. And it's going to become a glory story. But right now, in this time, the reason things are so messed up is because we live in a war. And vertical people see that. They're growing in that. They, they, they grasp that. Not all the details of it. We wrestle with it every day, don't we? Because every day I want to make his story all about my story. And so do you. We're all the same on that. But vertical people are people that see that and want to make our stories part of his grand story. And we are living in a war story that's going to turn into a glory story for those that are in Christ. And so we're in this period of time here. But I'll say it this way. The non-vertical person, or let me say it, the, the horizontal person sees a small story that life started with me. It's kind of like you hear, you know, nowadays where this conversation is, you know, for a lot of people, history started when they were born. And it's like what happened before then, is like whatever, and it's all the same till now. It's just my story is history. And... Uh, No, that's horizontal. I'd say it this way. Life started with me, continues with me, and is going somewhere with me. That's horizontal. Here's another way of saying it. My life is all about my happiness. Well, isn't it? Now we're getting somewhere. The life is all about my happiness. Okay, Axis. Newsflash. There's something much bigger and much better going on than your and my little stories. And our stories... The Lord desires that our stories be a part of his big story. And he invites you and I. Be a part of my big redemption story. Be a part of it. Every day. Because it's going somewhere. By the way, all the events of your and my life in 2015 all happened within the big war story. All the events that are going to be happening in 2016 in your life all take place within the war story. Oh, by the way, uh, let's go bigger. All the world events of 2015 and 2016 all take place within the war story. And he knows exactly down to every nitty-gritty detail exactly what's going on and where it's all going. Vertical persons see the big war story. They don't fully understand it. They don't grasp every detail of it. In it, they ask why. In it, they wrestle with it. In it, they struggle in it. In it, they fail in it. In it, they hurt in it. And in it, they cry out because of it. But in it, the vertical person sees that there is a big story going on. Secondly, the vertical person rightly sees a big Jesus in it, they see a big story and a big Jesus. They see the big war story, and they see the one that is at the center of it all. I am not the center of it. You are not the center of it. But there is one that is at the center of it. For two years now, as a church, uh, in our sermons, we have purposely been focusing on that one who is the center of it all. Colossians, the book of Colossians. The supremacy of Jesus Christ. When we first moved into this building, we started there. Listen, it's not about this building. It's not about 23 acres. It's not about the money. It's about the one who's at the center of the big story. And we went to Colossians to to see the supremacy, to get our theology kind of set. See the biblical theology of who Jesus is. Then after that, we went to the Gospel of Mark. Mark. Now after seeing what Scripture says about who he is, let's see the the incarnate Christ doing his redeeming work. And we went into the Gospel of Mark to to see that. And and then we came into Revelation, some light studies, and and we wanted to take Colossians and the Gospel of Mark and, and move it into, who is Jesus today? And this... All this, these notes, all of this is is describing who the one is. In Revelation chapter 1, listen to who he is. I turned to see the voice, and I saw one in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, and the hairs of his head were like white like wool and like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the voice of roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face, his face was like the sun, Shining in full strength. Hey, let me tell you something. That ain't no hippie sandaled Jesus, guys. That is the Jesus who is in heaven now, today. And when we, in the very beginning, we talked about this. We've got to get off seeing, you understand what I'm saying by this. You've got to get off seeing just the incarnate Jesus Christ because the incarnate Jesus Christ is actually the odd part of Jesus Christ. The normal part of Jesus Christ is the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ. And we need to see Jesus bigger. And that's when we were in chapter 1. But oh my word, then you move to chapter 4 and 5. And we're there in the heavenly hosts. And John is describing all this. And who is worthy to open the scroll that's resting in the Father's hand? No one is worthy. But then there's one who is worthy. Uh, No no one in heaven. No one on earth. No one on earth. But this one is worthy. He grabs the scroll. Listen first. That's my Jesus. And he grabs that scroll and he implements all of the center screen and all of the discussion often in the center screen gets lost in some of the this and the that and how and are the grasshoppers helicopters and all this kind of stuff, which is okay to have the conversation. But I'm telling you this, all of this is being implemented by the one who took the scroll out of the hand. All of this over all of the earth, over all of the world, that's my Lord. And then we come over here, giddy up on the white horse. That one comes back and boom, with all the heavens following, that's my Lord. That's the Lord that we enter 2016 with if you know Christ as your Savior. None of this like wandering around as this nice little philosopher, hippie sandaled guy giving these intriguing little conversations, you know, about in a British accent. <laughs> no, no, no. This is our lord. And this is who we enter 2016 with. Know that, vertical people see that. And there is one day when he's coming back. When is that? I don't have the foggiest idea. But I know this. He said he's coming. That he is the faithful witness. And people can laugh and they can mock and they can cut our heads off. But I'm telling you, he's coming back. And then he will judge. He's the one who will judge the unredeemed with the books in the book. No one will be able to go. You're unfair. You messed up. What were you doing? Won't happen. Won't happen. Because that's our Jesus. And he will roar and redeem. And return and reign and judge and dwell with eternally those who are in Christ. And not only will he dwell with them, but I love this. He will light it up. Look at the text. He's the one who's going to light it up. Don't need a sun. He's lighting it up. The sun, S-U-N, is now the sun, S-O-N. And he is lighting it up for eternity. And now I come back and John, verse 17, saw him. Listen, vertical people see that we live in a big story. And vertical people See the one who's at the center of the story. And then, with that, vertical people respond accordingly. Doug, how do I know if I really do see Jesus? Look at how you live. Look at how you live. Look at John. When I saw him, I what? When I saw him, I what? Fell. Fell. That's a response. It's an interesting response. I mean, John lived with this Jesus for three years. And here, I, I honestly, I'm not trying to be silly about this, but... There's part of it where I would think at this point in time he would be like, high five, dude, boof, chest pump, boom, great to see you, man, kind of the way guys do in a football game, bam. Not here. The one who saw him face to face, the incarnate Jesus Christ, John, who saw the incarnate Jesus Christ face to face for like, what, one? To like about three years, sees him now, and bam, face down. No high five, no bro, dude, boyfriend, none of that. Face down. Friends, we have too much. Jesus is my bro. Jesus is my boyfriend. We have too much thinking that, and we have too much singing about that. Honestly, it makes a small view of who Jesus is. Is he a friend? Yes, he's a friend, but he's this. (laughs) He's like a friend, but like, like, like way different than a friend. Big seeing follows, has big responses that follow. Small seeing has small responses that follow it. What's been your response to Jesus Christ? When I saw him, I fell. Uh, By the way, vertical people, they go face down. It starts there and it continues there. Vertical people are face down people. Face down should be a place very familiar to vertical people. It shouldn't be an uncomfortable place. It should be a normal place. Because the relationship with Jesus has to start there. But it doesn't just start there, it continues there. By the way, notice this place. I I fell at his feet. Not off a cliff, not anywhere else, but he fell at his feet. What does that say? I come down here to Marlon and I'm like I'm at his feet Marlon's probably I hope a little uncomfortable (laughs) Tanya yeah Now, I will say this, we were, uh, years ago, we were at a living nativity thing at a church we were involved with before, and, and we had, we were on, everybody goes around the whole thing, and so I was on when Jesus raised from the dead, so that night, I was Jesus walking out of the tomb, and, and Karen was there and falling down. I kind of like that. <laughs> Sorry, that's not in my notes. Uh, <laughs> but we're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who who falls down and what happens there. That's a place of humility. That's a place of submission. That's a place of repentance. That's a place of worship and adoration. That's a place of I am small, you are big. That's a response that fits with what one sees. I see you big. Me small, the appropriate response to that is face down. That's a vertical people, that's within their heart. You know, we struggle with that, don't we? Because we, we, we want to be straight up, we, we want to be in charge, and yet yeah, we're not. Let's just be honest about it, guys. Each of us were really not that great. In fact, theologically, each of us in this room are a huge mess. And I love hanging out with people who are a mess like I am. But who want to go vertical? Because there's one that is far superior. There's one that is over our mess. And face down is a good place to be. Why is it so hard for us to go there? More face down. By the way, notice this. I, I, I fell at his feet. I thought after the new year I'd get the time thing down. I, I fell at his feet. Look at this. As though dead. No, no, notice the place. He fell at his feet. Notice the thinking. As though dead. Something's going on there. Well, he's not dead, but he's, it's like I'm dead. Um, Isaiah 6. Isaiah's before the throne and he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then there's this some kind of as though dead thing for him as well before the Lord. And here we see it was John. It's a fitting response to the fitting scene. The the response fits the scene. You want to know what you really see of Jesus? Look at how you live. Look at how you think. Look at how you respond. Boom, and that aches, doesn't it? That's hard. But it's okay. We're all a mess. And remember, the, the, the one who's big and great loves you. And he loves it when people go face down. (laughs) If I can say it, if you were the Lord, would that not be like one of the most precious places that anyone could be? Face down. Seeing Him rightly. And acknowledging that. And by the way, may I remind us that um, John was a redeemed one in Christ. Life with Christ starts face down. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had such a story? By the way, a story followed up with a response that matches the initial face down. But it continues, it goes, starts face down and, and it continues face down. I just, how, how long has it been since you've been there? I'm even talking not just physically, but I'm talking in your heart. How long has it been since you've been in a face down place with the Lord? Maybe it's been a while. Maybe not. If, if not, and, and face down is a, is a pattern for you, may I in scripture encourage you, keep there. Hold there. That's the right place to be. Oh, might we be a vertical people that go face down, right? By the way, verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I Just got to go on here real quick. But look at this, because right now, this is where we need some encouragement and we need some hope. But look at this. But he slapped me upside the head and told me what an absolute loser I am and how he's tired of me and sick of me and disappointed in me. Why do I say all that? Because we commonly think that. When's the day gonna come when he's gonna just go, I'm done with you? And here's the thing. His grace doesn't get done with you. He loves you. And he laid his right hand, not his left. Left handers, that's not an insult. But it was understood the right hand was kind of the that was the hand of authority and power. And he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. We're going to bounce off of this next Sunday on this responding part as a people. But let me just say how interesting is it. He was fearing. Fear not, John. Listen, the one who knows it all, he knew exactly what was going on with John. It's like I'm going to die before your presence. No, 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 John. Fear not. We struggle with fear, don't we? Like, what's gonna happen this year? Like, what's gonna happen today? Like, what's the deal with the cult? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we have, we fear things with that and know this. Jesus says this fear not. Why fear not? Fear not because of everything we've just talked about. Fear not because of all of Revelation. But look at, just quickly, we'll finish with this fear not because He is. Look at this fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Fear not, why? Because he's got it. Fear not because I'm now great. Fear not because he is great. And don't we struggle with fear? What's going to happen this year? What's going to take place then? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen? (laughs) Fear not. Why can I fear not? Because the book of Revelation, he's got it all. Fear not. I have no idea what's going to happen in 2016, but I do know this. Jesus is on the throne, really big. See him there. We'll touch next Sunday, verse 19. Right, therefore, it's like, get up and go now. Not like, get out of my presence. But like, get up and go do what I want you to do, John. Now get up and go right. Can I say, I think there's just kind of a principle. Listen, when we see Jesus rightly... And we see in all of this, when we see rightly, when we see the big story, when we see a big Jesus, listen, friends, it starts there. And out of that is a response, an according response. And I just want to say this, if if it's the kind of thing to where this last year, you've been responding in a kind of a way where you're seeing growth and maturity happening, fitting with you seeing a bigger Jesus in the bigger story, in the big story of it all, I want to encourage you, keep at it. Let's go. Keep at it. Keep at it. Be encouraged. It's not easy. It's hard, isn't it? Keep at it. But I want to say also, on the other side of it, if it's like you look back at this last year and you're like, oh my goodness. If I were to evaluate my responses, um, boy, I see a pretty small Jesus. Maybe the better way to think that through is what would Jesus say? How big is your Jesus? And trust me, I'm really asking that of myself. Lord. I just would ask that we would take a moment here of um, the worship team come get in place and I'm just going to ask, would you just take face down time here? I really want to finish stayed on this what do you see? Do you see the big story or are you about you story? If, if, if you're about you story um, I, I just want to love you enough to say boy there's a much better much bigger story going on than a you story or a me story. There's a God story going on. And we, we want to be in on that story. And we want his story to be our story. We want our story to be in his story. And if it hasn't been, then it's time to go face down and repent. Just straight up. It's just time to go face down and repent. That I Lord, I've been making my story the story about me, and you know it anyway. Maybe Jesus has been really small as you think about it now. Too small to take care of the things that I see in my life. Too small to take care of the situations in my life. Too uncaring, too distant, too unable, too unwanting. Those are all lies. They're not true. Maybe you need to just repent of seeing Jesus way too small. May I remind us, face down at that place, boy, there's not many places that the Lord loves more than that, people at that place. If you're unsure, if you don't know whether you are Jesus' child, redeemed by Him, by the work that He's done, acknowledged your sin and received His gift of salvation, oh, friend, go face down. Now. Confess and receive. He loves you. He desires to free you. He wants to redeem you. going to leave us in this face down place next Sunday will be more so what does responding really look like (laughs) in fact the coming six plus weeks are going to be about that and so Lord we begin this year Think in a place that gives you the proper and the due honor. I would trust it would be a face down place. Maybe not even knowing what to do next. But we just know this. We need to fall face down before you. And we need to see you rightly. Rightly we need to see your story rightly and where we fit in rightly and we need to see the reality of the war that we are in god that's the face down place we're in we are like sheep lost helpless hurting confused goofy and you are the holy Righteous creator of the universe, the one who came and who conquered sin and death, the one who makes salvation available to all who would come and receive him, the one who is lifted high and mighty. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Whose eyes speak, whose tongue speaks, whose physique of Revelation 1 speaks of who you are. we may not know much more. But I pray today, we leave knowing that because it starts there. And we leave now by singing a song that we began and included part of before we entered Revelation 1. And folks, I would pray that we stand and that as we sing this song, we sing it with hearts that are loud and full and face down. Can we do that? Let's do that. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.